Welcome to the Andy Griffin Show, the number one talk show in St. George, starring Andy Griffin. Morning to you, everybody. 910 on News Radio 949-890-KDXU. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I have uh, one of my favorite regulars coming in today. That's Kevin Lewis. Kevin Lewis from the Washington County Tourism Office or Greater Zion Tourism. Kevin, how are you? I'm good, Andy. Do you tell everybody they're your favorite, or is it really just No, no. <laughs> I, I have a couple of favorites. I, I love it when uh, when you and Dr. Blodgett come in because mm-hmm. we, you know, we're old friends and we can just talk about old times. Yeah. And just, uh, but, uh, yeah, I, no, I don't tell all the pretty yeah. girls they're my favorites. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Oh, it's always good to be with you, Andy. Uh, plus, uh, I'm pretty sure that of all the guests I have on my show, I've known you the longest. Because yeah, you and I have yeah. known each other since uh, mid-90s, yep. I think. Yeah, we so, go back a ways. Yeah, both of us, ne- neither one of us had gray hair back then. Now we do. <laughs> we got plenty of that. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and I love uh, getting getting caught up on your kids. I know you have a son who is uh, in England mm-hmm. and has been there for quite some time now, right? Yeah, he just finished his dissertation and is kind of waiting to get the results on that. Um, his wife is doing a, a doctorate at Oxford, and mm-hmm. uh, so they're waiting to finish those two things up. They're, they're busy kids over there. Um, living the dream, I guess. <laughs> if the dream is to live in, in, in England, England then, it, yeah, I, I don't know that. I never aspired to that one. Uh, yeah. and, and not, not that I, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a cool aspiration for him. But, you know, if I was going to live somewhere uh, not in the America, it might be, uh, I don't know, the Caribbean islands or Hawaii yeah. or something like that. They but, have talked, you know, they, they are ready for something warm, though. Yeah, I tell you, you know, you don't think of England as cold, but it's it's cold quite a bit of the, the time over there. Um, when you look at that on the, what, latitude, longitude, it's up there in Canada range. And yeah, so, yeah. you know, and they've got a lot of water around there and, and that. So they're, they're ready for something warm. I think uh, as they start looking for jobs and things, they're, they'll be eyeballing some places that have a little heat to them. <laughs> now, how old's Riley? He's, what is he, 28, 29 now? So he's about the same age as AJ, my mm-hmm. son, who is in, on St. Thomas right now. Yeah, just got married and yeah. is down there. Yeah, a whole new career and whole new life for AJ. Huh? Yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. So how's he doing? Uh, yeah. How's he doing? He's good. You know, it's a it's a weird deal being on on St. Thomas. You know, it's a, and and the tourism part. Of, I mean, they go to the beach every day when he gets off of work and in a long time on Saturdays. But he says that the rest of the island is a little bit old and run down. And he says it's it's a lot of his third world stuff. He you know yeah. he went to Philippines on his mission. He said a lot of it's just like the Philippines, only more expensive. Oh wow. So, <laughs> <laughs> he told me a gallon of milk is eight dollars. Are you Thomas. kidding? Yeah, yeah. Stop yeah. drinking milk. Apparently, yeah. Well, and he was. He was. He's one of those guys. When when he came to visit, we'd buy two gallons of milk, even yeah. if he was only there for a day or two, because he was going to drink it all. Yeah, yeah. So, funny those those kids. Riley was the same way. Milk and bread, boy. Yeah. We go through loaves of bread with Riley at home, and, and, and gallons butter. of milk and yeah. peanut butter. <laughs> and that's one thing they miss over there is uh, just you know good old like peanut butter M and M's and stuff. We went over to see them, and we've, we're spoiled, aren't we? Yeah, <laughs> we're spoiled. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, anyway, uh, Kevin Lewis, of course, with the Greater Zion Tourism. Uh, I was going to ask you right off the top. Uh, I know you guys didn't put on the marathon, but you were part of the marathon. What, sure. How did that turn out for you? And, and, and maybe we can talk about the numbers with that in a little while. But uh, how, yeah. how did that turn out for you guys? Yeah, I think the marathon was great this year. Um, it, interesting that the numbers aren't. <clears throat> excuse me, aren't what they used to be. Um, there's been a huge proliferation of marathons around the country. And, right. you know, every weekend you go, there's a marathon. And and, and running in general has kind of taken a, a, a little different tone. Marathons used to be really, really competitive. Um, and they still are. There's a there's a smaller group of people that are really into that, getting the personal best and, you know, and winning and, and all that. We had a course yeah. record yeah. here this yeah, year. Sylvia... Which, 
I forgot about yeah. Bedford, something like that. Yeah, yeah, you know, we knocked it out of the park, right? Yeah. And, and a great day for it. Wonderful crowds and everything. Um, uh, you know, so it was a it, it's a really great event. But I think the numbers were <clears throat> in the four thousand range. Which haven't we had up around ten thousand and seventy five hundred? I think was sort of where it capped, and that was you know it used to be that you um, you know you could I mean it was a lottery to get in and all of that, but you know that that whole dynamic has changed. So many things in the sports world and the tourism world, you know, the the dynamics are changing, and so um, some new things going on, and it's pretty exciting. I think uh, with the marathon uh, announcing this year that they're going to add a half half, on the same day next year um, brings in a little different crowd. You know, we did. with Ironman, we switched from the full distance to the half, and all of a sudden, a whole new world opened up of right. athletes and, and opportunity, and 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 that also creates just an atmosphere. And I, I think that's what will happen. I mean, what a, what an incredible event that we've had over forty what forty four years now, forty three yeah. now, forty third one, yeah. and uh, and you know, St. George City has done just a remarkable job in in putting that together. And really, you know, they were at the forefront of that whole <laughs> wave and did such a great job of it. And one of the most scenic uh, runs that you know there are in the country. Sure. Um, so yeah, a nice event, and we're excited to see where that goes in the future with some you know some subtle changes and some things to make uh, a little bit more of a, a festive uh, atmosphere with with different events and different activities going on to go along with it it's interesting you mentioned the the, the trends and the changing attitudes and and and, and cha- i mean you really have to be you kevin have to be on the kind of the the predicting end of that you have to kind of anticipate how things are going to change and what kind of trends are going to be don't you yeah yeah it's interesting you know i get a lot of people saying oh you must be so busy now with the huntsman games going on and the marathon and all these events and and there's a there's a part of it is that is yeah we're we're focused and involved in the events that are going on right now but mm-hmm. our minds are really uh, 18 months 24 the months next next things what yeah. is coming you know what it, what is going to change and so, how do you adapt right it's like the radio business if i think about what's happening now i'm in trouble when something comes up in three minutes and i'm not ready for it so yeah it's, it's i mean it's short kind of a small example but same kind of thing same kind of thing you're always you're always working in the future and, and developing things and you know as we can talk later you know i my my brain is really has has tripped forward to 2021 when we're going to host that uh, 70.3 world championship yeah. uh, I, I spent um about uh, seven days in nice uh, where the oh you poor thing I, I know <laughs> I know and I'm you know I'm not gonna lie it was an, an incredible experience um, yeah. yeah you know we worked our tail off I think we walked about twelve miles a day uh, according to my you know my watch was telling me we were taking a lot of steps as we tried to move around and navigate that whole experience there of Nice was the was the host venue for the seventy point three World Championship this year yeah um, they had fifty seven hundred athletes show up for that event so it's already taken place it's, already taken okay. place yeah. So so, so we went to um, size that all up, work with the crews and everything as we prepare for 2021. And, you know, the thing that I came back from that event just just marveling at is just how significant that event really is. Um, Ironman has really stepped up their game. And, at, you know, in the same way that we transitioned from a full distance race to a 70.3 and now going to host the 70.3 World Championship. Ironman, you know, last week was their Kona race. They're their granddaddy of them all, and it will always yeah. be the granddaddy. There's nothing like that event. But the 70.3 World Championship has turned into this globally uh, – 
you recognize the event that's growing bigger and bigger and bigger every year. This year was 5,700. Next year in New Zealand, it will be 6,400, they predict. Mm-hmm. And by the time it gets to St. George, they're talking 7,000 athletes will be here to participate in that event. They, that is a market that they have recognized as this burgeoning market across the planet that at that distance, right? Right. And so we, we sort of you know, adapted into that and kind of the the right timing because as that was growing, we shifted into the 70.3 realm and, uh, you know, built up a community and and an operation that could handle hosting a world championship event on the par of the Olympics, really. I mean, that really what, that's what it is. This is the the top of the world. They they had 110 different countries represented in that race. There's only 196 countries in the world and 110 were at the world championship That's crazy you know so so the the volume of people that come to these the 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 way that that puts us you know think of it you know saint george utah on the same discussion level as nice france and topor new zealand and you know the gold coast of australia that's the type of destinations that they're taking these events to the this is something that's going to be so exciting for us andy and you know so my brain's a little bit ahead right now (laughs) you know coming back from that and all fired up about the the opportunities that that'll bring but i've got some incredible stuff going on right now i mean we've got eleven thousand people athletes in town huge number right now participating in the world senior games that's that's as many athletes as are at the we're at the barcelona olympics right right Right. Uh, just just incredible to think that we're we're on the par with with those type of events where we've got that caliber of stuff happening here pretty pretty big deal i wanted to ask you you said something a minute ago and and we'll get to the senior game stuff in a minute but you said that uh, the trend is and the and the people are really uh, uh, gravitating toward the Mm 70.3 Uh, more so even than the, I don't want to call it the full, the regular yeah. Ironman. Uh, why do you think that is? What, what do you think the reason? Is it because it's a little bit less grueling but still the same idea? Or what do you think that, why? Yeah, I think, you know, there's there's no question that 70.3 is really a, an endurance event. You know, we're not going to... Sure, oh yeah, they don't want to diminish that. Yeah, yeah. I know, couldn't do it. It's <laughs> kind of like it's kind of like talking about the marathon even. You know, we talk about the marathon like, oh yeah, it's a marathon. You know, it's like, holy cow, it's a marathon for crazy. 26.2 you know, miles, Not yeah. everybody does that, and it's very, you know, very inspirational. So 70.3, yeah, oh, it's just a half. No, uh, yeah, that's all. Yeah. You know, it's a it's a different dynamic, though, but the, the training that that requires to prepare for a 70.3 is is significantly different than what it requires to prepare for the full Ironman. And um, and so I think it opens up the door for more people to have that kind of an experience and, and participate in it, to get prepared for it and actually you know accomplish something that really is a phenomenal feat. That, that's a part of it. <clears throat> when you look at it on the competitive side, mm-hmm. the dynamics of that race are entirely different than, than 100 and, you know, 102 right yeah uh, yeah i mean or 140 yeah. sorry um you know that the, the dynamics of of the athletes as they as they work their way through that it's such a fast experience you know that every discipline there's you can't have a mistake in any of the three disciplines you've got to have a perfect swim you got to have a perfect bike and you have a perfect run so on, on the full you could maybe 
be weak on the swim, but make up for it on either the run or the bike. Yep. Yeah, exactly. But that, not so on the 70.3. Yeah, yeah. When you get to that, that higher level of competition, um, there's there's just no room for error. And if you, you have you know a little bit of a flaw or chink in your armor um, on that day, it's going to make a difference in the outcome of the race. And so we, we saw that at the World Championship in, in Nice. It, it, it was just the speeds are incredible. Um, mm. The the, the, the intensity of that race and the level of those professionals so exciting to to witness that kind of um professionalism and perfection right uh in in those athletes the world championship a little different from the annual race um they they have to qualify for it so all of those 7,000 athletes that will be in St. George that year have had to qualify somewhere. They've had to essentially win their division, whether you're a pro or an age, age group or whatever. You, you've had to you know, place at a certain level across the con- country, across the globe, in order to participate. So every level of competition is more intense. Would you say that it is it a fair assessment that if you're going to be any good anyway at the full, you pretty much that's a full-time job. You have to train a lot of hours a day, whereas... The uh, 70.3, you could maybe be an amateur, still have a regular job, and, and only spend maybe two hours a day training instead of four to six. Yeah, I think I think that's it. And, you know, a lot of the people that participate in the fold, you know, they still have full-time jobs. They're not – it's not like they – sign everything off but for that year as they're preparing for that their commitment to it is is much greater if, if you don't quit your job you might have to quit your family for a little while or something that's like what that. it is you yeah. know and it's interesting um had, had a really interesting experience andy when 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 we were over there in nice you know the 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 dignitaries show up for these events and uh, i don't know if you know the country bahrain I've, I've heard of it, but a little country yeah. near Iraq. It's a it's a little island, but it's a very very wealthy country. Well, hmm. the the prince of Bahrain is a triathlete. He's got oh, really? he's gotten involved in this and, and and competes, and and he's supporting Team Bahrain. And so a lot of the athletes have have, have dialed in with that group, and uh, you know they're sponsored by Team Bahrain or whatever. Well. The king and the prince and their entourage were there in Nice wow. to celebrate that event, and and it just happened. We were we were um, watching in one of the uh, VIP locations, and in they came and sat down. And I'm and literally, Andy, I'm sitting next to the prince of Bahrain, having breakfast, talking over Ironman ideas and, wow. and concepts with this guy. He's just the most genuine guy. He's done this thing, but. But he told me, he, I, said, I, I said, are you still involved in this stuff? And he said, well, I had to take a year off because I needed to spend more time with my family. Nice. You know, okay. Sounds familiar, huh? <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's the story that we're talking about. He's, he, he felt like, you know, that, that he needed to devote a little bit more of his time uh, family-wise, and then he was going to get back into the sport. But yeah, he had to balance some things out a little bit. So interesting. Yeah. Great great guy and, and, and fun conversation there. Um, you know, sitting next to a guy who's worth $2 billion is kind of an interesting. But, you know, he's in his T-shirt, and he's just talking. We're taking selfies together. It was kind of fun. <laughs> and then he got his, in, in his McLaren and drived away, and you got right. in your, your rental Toyota. Right. Yeah. The, the entourage. I mean, they, I think they flew <laughs> over in uh, their, you know, their private 747 with about three other jets that flew with them. Is <laughs> You know, it's kind of that entourage when they flew in. So. But again, you know, the, those that kind of experience to me it was was just an indication of the the level of a world championship event, right? Mm, yeah, for sure. And that's what I I think I'm getting excited about. I don't, I, you know, that that story means nothing other than wait. That's the kind of thing that's going to happen here in St. George, right? 
we're going to get those kinds of people here. And, you know, who knows if we'll get the Prince of Bahrain. I, I, don't, I don't know if they'll come and do it. Maybe he'll do it. Maybe he'll participate in it, you know. Is he going to stay at Casa Lewis when he comes? <laughs> Casa Lewis. Casa Lewis is going to have to have some improvements. <laughs> you can take that. him out on your boat, though. <laughs> there you go. Take a little ride on Sand Hollow, you bet. <laughs> there you go. Oh, man. Oh. So uh, let's go over the timeline again for, for Iron Man. What uh, what the dates and times and everything uh, yeah. when when those, all those things are happening? Great great question. And and this is one of the things that unfortunately, as you jump ahead to the World Championship, you sort of forget a little bit about what's going on right now. Well, we've got some exciting stuff with that event happening right now. So we we renegotiated the the contract. We came to the end of our five year agreement with them, and we came back in. And with that. We ended up with the World Championship in 2021, mm-hmm. but over the next five years, we're going to bring back the full distance race on a rotating basis. Every other kind of thing. Every third year. Every yeah, third, okay. Every third year. So it keeps that thing uh, pretty special, but it but what that does, too, is it allows people who have been participating at the 70.3 level to maybe step up the game now. Okay, I've got some experience at this. I want to see if I can go the full distance, right? But it's not an every year thing. Well, so that full race the, the iron man st george w- will happen in 2020 okay that, the first year of that event so so we're bringing an entirely new experience okay not entirely new but because uh, we had it for three years return but, anyway yeah it's coming back and and boy if you haven't had a chance to get involved and participate in that event you know you you need to you need to be involved in it you need you need to volunteer you need to get engaged and see what that kind of an endurance um, athlete goes through supporting the, their their causes and, and their activity and and for sure uh, be down there at at midnight at the end of the race right uh, you know from about 10 10 p.m to midnight is one of the most incredible sports experiences you'll ever have it's it's the only event i know where the last finisher across the race gets more applause than the first mm. right it's yeah. really a neat experience and and so you, you can come down and you can see those pros come in in the afternoon and then go home and you know kick back for a little bit and then gear back up again and come down at 10 o'clock and just celebrate with all of the, you know, and, or, or stick around the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Why <laughs> I not? want to count out those ones that are, that are finished in between. There's just, mm-hmm. you know, incredible, uh, finishes and stories that happen all the way through that experience. But, but pretty excited about that one. I know a lot of the athletes are excited to have Ironman St. George back. It's, and what's the date on that? That one is, uh, will be the first Saturday of May of okay. 2020. So I think it's May 2nd this year. That's six months from now. Huh? Yep. Yep. So um, that's coming up quick, and we don't want to forget about that, the magic of the, the full coming back to St. George in, in 2020. Then in 2021, we'll hold our 70.3 North American Championship again on the first Saturday of May. Okay. And then the World Championship happens in September, September. the 17th and 18th of September, women's race on the 17th men's race on the 18th so technically three races in in 2021 the regular 70.3 in may and then in september the women's and the men's world champions incredible yeah yeah and and again these these kind of events you know you just talk about just the energy and enthusiasm they put in the community but they also put a lot of economic impact in um you know, it was an interesting conversation we were having with our tourism advisory board, and I was talking about the world championship. That event alone will bring $25 million into our economy in a week. And it, it was, you know, in, in an interesting kind of sidebar, Rich Stamire, who's the 
uh, general manager at the airport, mm-hmm. said, you know, I was going to talk about the, you know, the airport reconstruction. And we've got our airport open, which is really exciting again to have yeah. that open and the smooth runway and all of the new things that are out there. Um, but that project was a four-month project. And Rich said over the course of the four months, most of the contractors and, and folks that were involved in that project were local. So it was a huge investment to the economy. He said they calculated it at about $24 million. Okay, so uh-huh. over the course of four months, that massive airport project brought 24 million into our local economy. The Ironman World Championship will bring 25 million in in the course of a week. One week, yeah, yeah. That that's the level of impact that these things are doing, and and all of that just makes you know creates a better economy and better better lifestyle for us. It, it helps out in uh, tax reduction. It reduces our, you know, our, our, our tax uh, commitment because that money is going to offset taxes that we would pay, you know, to the tune of about thirteen hundred dollars every year for every household. Um, the, that that's the other piece of this whole equation that you know you got to keep in mind that it's mm-hmm. it's not just about bringing a cool event in, but it's you know it's what it does for our economy and for us personally, putting money back into our pockets. Right, right. You know, I, I remember back in high school, I had I was a fan to, a fan of a band that nobody had pretty much heard of, uh-huh. and so. I was like, oh, you guys got to listen. These guys are so good. I had this good news, this cool thing that I wanted to share with everybody. And that band actually ended up with a one hit. They were kind of a one-hit wonder. Right. And then everybody was listening to them. And I was almost like, well, wait a minute. They're my band. You guys, <laughs> you guys can't have them, too. That's kind of how I feel about St. George sometimes. I'm like, I want everybody to know about how great St. George is. But sometimes I think oh, too many people know. Too many people. But uh, you know what? The, the, as you mentioned, a couple of advantages to that, though. Are, are absolutely huge, and we have a lot of opportunities. I think personally, a lot of opportunities in St. George we would not have if it weren't for events like Ironman and Marathon and Huntsman World Senior Games and things like that. So, and I appreciate that Kevin being involved with that. Uh, we've got to get a weather break in here. I'm talking with Kevin Lewis from the Greater Zion Tourism Office. into segment two with Kevin Lewis from the Creator Zion Tourism Office. And uh, if you want to call 673-5890, we'd love to hear from you. 673-5890. Now, uh, one of the numbers that uh, Vic Iverson came in with yesterday, Kevin, mm-hmm. was uh, he said uh, by, by the latest guesstimate, uh, we've got about 160,000 residents in St. George. And then he said, but they went beyond that. And he did a study when, when you include snowbirds and you include visitors for the different events. At any one time, we have approximately over 200,000 people in Washington County. And that is that, that number blows me away, considering, especially yeah. when I moved here, there was, I think, 30. 30,000 people in St. George. Yeah, it puts us on a level that's uh, you know much greater than you, you you know there's there's a perception that St. George is a quiet little town and you know this Washington County is just a you know rural community and whatever and and there's still elements of that for, for sure. sure but but when you put all the dynamics into it the uh, you know the residents that live here the part-time residents that come down and, and spend you know four or five six months maybe even more here and then short-term rentals and and visitors and hotels uh that number goes up you know substantially to you know two hundred twenty thousand good size good size county right can you uh, you know i mean your job is to get people to come here 
I mean, that, partly. Uh, yeah. I mean, I yeah. mean, you know, just to kind of whittle away everything else. And yeah, Kevin's job is to get people to come here, part, partially anyway. Yeah. Uh, do you see negatives from that? Because we, we get the occasional phone calls. Someone says, ah, you know, I hate all the people in the traffic and this, that, and the other thing. Uh, do you see negatives to getting people to come here? And if you do, what, what do you do about that? I mean, what can we do about that? Yeah, I mean, sure. There's there, there's a lot of talk right now about over-tourism and overcrowding in the national parks and, and sure. all those things. The, the, the people that have lived in this area you know for a long time have seen massive change and and you know there's there's a lot of reasons for that um i sometimes get caught in the crossfire because you mm-hmm. know i'm the tourism director and so right. what am i doing and bringing all these people here right <laughs> you know i think if you look back um well i mean when look around um just the the dynamics we were talking about the change in dynamics for r- runners and athletes and things like that but the dynamics just in in general in the world have changed um mobility uh, the the ability for the middle class to travel has just become you know wide open. It used to be travel was kind of an, an elite exclusive elite thing, thing yeah. right? You know, you go you go anywhere in the world today, and and airports have grown substantially. I mean, I was thinking this. I so I've kind of been in the travel industry for a, uh, in some way or another for a lot of years, and I remember you know you used to f- you fly flew into airports, and just about every airport that you flew to, the rental car. Uh, properties were right on site. You just got off the plane, you went and got your rental car, and you drove away. Right. That doesn't happen anymore. Mm-hmm. They're completely off-site rental car um, setups because of the volume of traffic and the size of the airports has, has had to expand. And you, you look at what's going on in Salt Lake City right now with the expansion of the airport there. Right. Um, air travel has increased about 10 times over the last 10 years. And, and anybody who travels at all and looks at, looks at those dynamics, it's like, okay, we're not unique in this, right? We're, we're one of the, the areas that has a lot of attention. Um, but it's because we've become more mobile. And, you know, an interest, another interesting dynamic, um, you think about it, travel is, has sort of become the new status symbol. It's it's not possessions anymore. It's not how much you have, right? But it's mm-hmm. where you've been, where you go, yeah, and what experiences you have. And so then, you know, you think of what social media has done with that. What do people post on their social media? It's like, look Pictures where I'm where at, they went, right? Yeah. Okay, tie tie all that in to a really really great product that we have, meaning an experience that is unlike anywhere else in the world. You can't see landscapes like this anywhere, you know. And we were talking in the earlier segment about how. St. George and Washington County are, are on par with Nice, France, and the Gold Coast of Australia. We have that kind of a product. And now you have people all over the world who are wanting to experience those kinds of things and have these kind of status-building experiences. This is mm. what I want to do in life. It's not just about Kevin and the Greater Zion team going out and saying, hey, everybody come here, right? Yeah. It's, a, it's about the culture. It's, a, it's who we are as a people now. And, and, and so you tie all that into then, you know, internet capability to, to just broadcast and showcase these things. And when people start seeing pictures of Zion National Park and seeing everybody having such a great experience here and then hearing the stories about it, that when, they, when you come here, you feel something different. This is a different experience and it moves you. It changes you and people hmm. want those kinds of experiences. So, so the, you know, that dynamic has changed. And I think what we have to do to learn to do is adapt to the changing culture and the changing dynamics as a people. We're, we're, we're not able to go back 
to the way it was all the time. We'd love to, you know, those of us that grew up here uh, and, you know, and I've been, my first experience with the National Park was um, a documentary that I did as a college student back in the late 80s, right? Um, And so I've seen a lot of change in that park. I hiked all over that thing with this massive camera gear, you know, (laughs) trying to create this documentary. And, you know, and we had the place kind of to ourselves a little bit. Yeah. Well, that that dynamics changed over the years, but it still can be a great experience. And and I think what we need to learn to do as a people is, you know, adapt to the change in culture and society and and the dynamics of it and and figure out ways to positively influence that you know and and turn it to the best experience possible right to um to to become more contributors instead of consumers of the product right Mm. and and so you know the, the 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 things that we have here as as much as they're critical for the um you know the lifestyle of the residents is critical. The quality of life is critical. That's a key piece of the, of our equation of our mission statement. Um, but they're not ours. We, you know, that, that national park isn't a private park for just us. No, it's a, it's, it's everyone's park. And, and so, you know, they're, they're there for everybody to enjoy. So we have the responsibility to use them responsibly and then also to contribute to help protect them and preserve, you know, what we have. And, and so when I, you know, when I hear, I sometimes hear, you know, good people talk, talk about and post their concerns about the growth and visitation and the impacts on the area. Um, but I, I rarely see those same good people step forward to address the issue in a way that will make a positive difference going forward, right? It's more of a, huh, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. And, and I think that's the shift in the attitude that, I, that I'd like to help implement. And as a tourism office, that's what we're, we're trying to do is, is, is help you know, be a part of the contributors um, to step up with our time and resources to support the needs in the park and the area and, and, and contribute to the initiatives that, that will make it a better experience as we move forward. So, so our focus, when we look at, at who we market to and how we market, um, we have a responsibility because, you know, our, 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 that is our role is to maximize the revenues that are coming in from the visitors to create a superior experience for the visitors and the residents, right? Right. But our, our focus is to, to then try to dial in on what is the right kind of visitor who will co- to come here. Um, we could go out and, and sell this to anyone, right? But there's a, there's a type of a visitor that I think w- that makes more sense, and it is that visitor who's conscientious of their environment, who, who cares about the, the land and the resources and, the, and, the, and the, you know, the beauty that is here for us. And, and so we try to identify, you know, we're using a lot of um, research technology, uh, you know, user profiling, and, and trying to figure out who, who are those right customers. And those are the types of people that then we market to, the people that, have, that, that are invested into the experience, that, that really, you know, are passionate about what they're doing. And as, as a result of that passion, they'll contribute to make sure that they can continue to do those kind of things. And that doesn't mean they have to be, you know, tree hugging, you know, whatever's um, th- that those people are important, too. But there are people who are passionate about riding their OHV in, in you know, in Sand Mountain. 
but they're going to care for that resource. They're going to invest in that resource because they want to be able to do that and they want their kids to be able to do that. Mm. And, and so across the spectrum of users, let's, let's identify who those people are that, are that are really passionate about the experiences that they're trying to have and the opportunities that are there for them and who will care for it, who will contribute to the, the betterment of it in the future and the accessibility of it in the, in the future. Very, very well said. Um, I had a couple of questions pop up while you were talking, but sure. the last one actually just hit me as you were talking about OHVs and, uh, you know, ATVs, they used to be called off-road vehicles, mm-hmm. basically. <clears throat> There's actually a story that came across the wire today talking about uh, a couple of the, uh, the state and national parks uh, wanting to outlaw the use of those in, in the park. Do you have a, any feeling one way or the other about what they're talking about or about that happening? Yeah, that's an, an interesting uh, story that's going on right now. So I think it was just legalized, right, that they could take ATVs on on the roads in national parks. Right. And that sort of created this sort of, you know, firestorm. Yeah. About, oh, no. Whoa, whoa, yeah. ATVs in the national parks. What are you talking about? You know? Um, yeah, there's some concerns there for sure. What, what does that do to the environment in a national park? And, and, and we think of a national park, you know, we think of Zion national park, you think of ATVs in Zion national park. Well, the, the legislation I, I think is pretty clear. It's on the roads in the national parks, right? Roads. Um, it's, no trails. Yeah. It's not like we're going to be tearing up, you know, but there are other national parks that are that are different types of parks right that, are, yeah. that have i mean you think of arches and and the Canyonlands area right that's a that's a different kind of experience than you have at zion and and you know i think we have to be really really cautious about um, legislation like that wholesale legislation but again you, you have to adapt to the cultures and times right and you you, you know i don't know that it makes sense to just lock down um you know a rule that was made in you know the 19 early 1900s when we didn't have ohvs right Right, right. okay so so yeah I, i you know i i think it's an interesting dialogue and i think as that legislation you know passed it now brings it to to everybody's well what's going on and i think that that's an important dialogue to have and let's and let's make okay. sure that we don't ruin the experience of a national park but let's not let's not just make a hard fast rule that says you can't because somebody said you can't way you know a long long time yeah. ago right yeah, there, there was this other story we did yesterday uh, across that came across the wire. Uh, national Park attendance in uh, Bryce, Capitol Reef, Canyonlands, and Arches it was down 1% to 3% last year. Mm-hmm. Zion National Park was not down 1% to 3 It was the only one that didn't go down last year. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I, I mean, you could almost say, well, way to go, Kevin. <laughs> Good job. But, uh, I mean, how do you feel about those numbers? Yeah, um, uh, well, uh, two thoughts on that. Um, I'll just throw some, throw some food for thought out there. Again, don't have specific answers yet, but... Um, uh, one thing is location, right? Zion National Park is easy, more easy to access sure. than Bryce or Canyonlands or, or Arches, um, Grand Staircase, Escalante. They're a little more remote and whatever. And so we've seen a dip in national park visitation in general uh, across the board. Even, even though they're saying Zion National Park numbers are up, um, the reality is is that it's way off of the pace that it was uh, previously. Mm. So in general, everything's come down. Um, there's another factor that I've yet to get to the to the bottom of, Andy. Uh, I, I, I've got to figure this out, but I know that the formula for calculating visitation changed in uh, uh, this year in Zion National Park. 
and I'm not sure that the formula changed in the other parks. So I'm, I'm, I'm reaching out to those other park directors and whatever to find out if, if in fact, you know, what, what's happened is over the course of, say, 10 years, they used to calculate the number of bodies coming into the park one way, and that never changed for 10 years. And so um, talking with, with Superintendent Brady about the park, the park service went back and took a full year to reassess and, and dial in, are we really getting the right numbers? And they realized that their calculations were off slightly. So hmm. they adjusted the, the calculation formula and this, this isn't just across the board in the year, but it happens seasonally. It changes slightly seasonally because in some seasons you have families coming with you and other seasons it's a little more couples or individuals. Anyway, um, that number was changed at the beginning of, of this year. And so the numbers now are looking like they're higher than they were a year ago. But if we use the same formulas that are being used this year for last year's numbers, you'd probably see that they actually decreased. Does mm. that make sense? It does. Yeah. And, and so, um, so you know, two factors. I'm not going to, you know, discount that Zion's numbers are, you know. Good. They're good numbers. Yeah. yeah. They're good numbers. They're solid. And and there are a lot of people in, in the park. Um, but there, it may just be a, a sense of comparing last year's data to this year's data and the formulas that were that were calculated right right data isn't necessarily the same depending on how you add it up yeah good yeah. call how yeah. it was how it was calculated yeah. um i don't want to i don't want to try to imply anything there i just say i that, that's a question that i still have that i'd love to love to get to you know understand a little bit better and if i know you you will get to the bottom <laughs> of that all right then we've got to get a break in i want to thank joe shoney local loan consultant Focusing on customer service, uh, he is in the southern Utah area and has been for more than 25 years. Joe, uh, his phone number is 435-590-6300, averages 4.91 out of 5 stars in online reviews, including uh, this is James at Hurricane, said Joe and his team were great to work with. They made sure we were informed every step of the way. We'll go down to uh, Michelle in Cedar City, said thank you so much for all your help, 5 stars there. And uh, Walter in Eating says it's all about completing the process, which which we believe this company helped us do 5 out of Five stars. So again, if you want to get a hold of Joe, it's Joe.shoney, S C H O N E Y, Joe.shoney at NAFINC.com. Again, the phone number is 435 590 6300. Back with more from Kevin Lewis right after this. Thanks for tuning in today. Kevin Lewis on the show with me. Kevin Lewis from the Greater Zion Tourism Office or Washington County Tourism. And you know, I've been meaning to ask you, how has that rebranding uh, come along? Do you, are you happy with the results you're getting? Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's really put a nice foundation on what we're really trying to accomplish and and tell the story. I call it the Greater Zion story. That's really what we're trying to tell, and 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 we do that. I, part of that story we've been talking about is this whole kind of stewardship that we have a responsibility to take care of these great lands and this place that we are. That's part of the Greater Zion story. Um, another piece of it is is just all of the elements of uh, this area, the the greater part of that yeah. Zion story. You know, we, we, we live in a really, really remarkable place, and uh, we just feel like we have a, a, an important responsibility to take care of this and to prepare and build it for the future. There's a couple of events, Andy, that are, that are coming up um, that, that kind of tie back into that, um, that, that stewardship message. One of them is, is the Centennial Celebration of the Art, that is a, a an event that happens out at, at Zion National Park in November, November fifth through tenth. And what that is is there are eleven featured artists. It's been going on for you know ten years, mm-hmm. and they've invited some of the 
some of the key artists from each year to come back this year to commemorate the centennial of the National Park. Oh, so Zion National Park celebrates 100 years on uh, November 19th. And so to celebrate that, they're bringing these artists back to do painting demonstrations. They've each um, done like five different paintings of the of the park in the area that it will be on display and they're on auction. Um, and you can go out there and watch these guys paint. You can participate in, in lectures and experiences out there. And all of these 55 paintings will be sold. And the proceeds from that go to support the Zion Forever Project, which is the um, 501c3 nonprofit foundation that supports the park and the initiatives that help sustain the park and and do those things that we've been talking about that, that you know, protect and, and preserve, but also build for the future and prepare for the future. And, and one of those projects that we're um, really tied into with the, the Greater Zion Tourism Office is really gr- tied into is the production of a new uh, film for the Visitor Center. All right. So it's been 19 years since the last film was created for the Visitor Center. And uh, this year we got involved as one of the key centennial sponsors um, to help in the production and development of this, of this new film that will tell the story of Zion through the, the voices of the visitors. It, it's not a narrator coming in and telling this is, you know the park and this is how it was created it's the visitors and 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 so through their eyes and their experiences and we're talking um, rock climbers and canyoneers to um, uh, native you know american residents um, to school children to whatever you're going to hear the story of zion through their eyes and see the story of zion through their eyes Um, and and what that character-driven approach is going to do is is help tell this stewardship story for public lands and 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 help convey the message of collectively working to assure that the greater zion story lasts forever i I think it's going to be incredible what what this film will do because as people come into the park and watch it they will they will that will resonate with them again talking about the visitors that we're trying to attract those that care about the area and will invest and contribute into it and so the the second part of that event is uh, the 19th on the anniversary of when Zion became a national park. There'll be a premiere showing of that film, the full length film, um, at at DSU Cox Auditorium. Uh, so put that on your calendar. That's yeah. one you might want to be to um, to to see. And and two versions of this film. There'll be a full length film that will actually go around to film festivals and countries, and then there'll be a shortened version that. A place in the visitor center of the park every day. Awesome, pretty neat experience. Now, now that art event, when what day was that? Sorry, the art event is November fifth through tenth. Fifth through tenth in the okay. park, and just uh, I'm, and talk about you know generally perfect weather conditions. They're really nice. You can go out there and watch these guys paint um, on the on the lawn of the uh, right there in front of the lodge. Um, really a neat experience there and then participate in some of the other activities and, and most of that information you can gather for both of these on the uh, zionpark.org is the is the website for that that's the zion forever projects I'm website just, i'm just thinking i'm not gonna make a commitment yet but i'm thinking maybe we can do uh, this show from out there during that week oh there's an idea and, uh, we can have you on and uh, as part of the show and, and just talk about the the anniversary the, the birthday celebration yeah, of zion yeah. national park wouldn't that be awesome yeah we we'll get be. some some of the artists involved and some of the other folks oh, yeah good idea andy let's yeah. let's work to that that'd be awesome Anything yeah. else coming up? We've got a minute left, Kevin. We've got a minute. Well, you know, I, I, I hate to walk away without kind of coming back to what's going on right now, and that really yeah. is just the, the Senior Games event. I, I don't know if, if you were aware. I, 
Last night I went to their celebrity um, or their celebration concert. Yeah, Joel the band. Joel right? the band. It was yeah. awesome. Was it? it I, was, I didn't get there, but I heard it was great. It was free. Uh-huh. Anybody in this town can go to that. And, and again, that these are one of those those things that these events bring back. And I think every event that comes in here tries to contribute and give back to the community. Huntsman World Senior Games has done a remarkable job at doing that. The concert was awesome. Um, that event is just awesome. $18 million in economic impact from the Huntsman Games. Uh, Kyle Case, the director there, explained that. He said, you know, to give that some context, if you bought Little Caesars pizzas, with that 18 million, you could stack the pizza boxes 47 miles into the atmosphere. Wow. <laughs> That's how much 18 million is. I think I got those numbers right, Kyle, I hope. And, and even our teenage, uh, our, our former teenage sons couldn't wouldn't be able to eat all that. So. Yeah. <laughs> We're out of time. Kevin Lewis, Greater Zion Tourism. Thanks so much, Kevin. Thanks, Andy. Good to Good talk to, to you. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow. In fact, it's Mayor Thursday, Mayor Pike at Hash House of Go-Go. We'll see you then.